Have you ever been minding your own business? When all of a sudden you're drawn into a conversation or a situation that took you by surprise. In fact, these situations, they can either be positive or negative, as you know. In fact, they can be so intense, they can even take your breath away. It happened to me and my wife uh, one time, I may have shared with you before, when we won a uh, trip on a major airline anywhere they fly in the world. And when they initially called, I thought it was a prank call, and I really didn't believe them. I'm like, yeah, right, I, yeah, I, I won that thing. But yet it was true. And I had forgotten all about that. And I must say that uh, my wife, uh, she was the one that egged me on to fill out that, uh, that form in the first place. No, I didn't have to put any money down. It was like, fill out a form and you can win. I'm like, I don't want to do that. I don't want to waste my time on that. And my wife told me, you better fill it out. I'm like, oh, okay. I felt like a three-year-old. And my wife, a little old her, her telling me what to do. So I reluctantly filled it out, and, and sure enough, I was totally surprised. I was totally surprised when they called. And, uh, uh, but when I was speaking with the lady, I can't remember her name now, it's been over 10 years now, I asked her, so I can fly anywhere that you go in the world? And she's like, yes, sir. I said, so I can go to Africa, anywhere in Africa? She said, yeah, you can go. So I can go to China? Yeah, anywhere that we fly, you can go. I'm like, okay. So I began to think to myself, uh, you know, man, let's see, what place have I not been? You know, I haven't been to Africa, any, any nation in Africa that can somewhat keep me and my wife safe. You know, maybe we can go there. I'm like, yeah, maybe China or, or maybe even India or even I have this thing. I want to go to Russia as well. And, you know, so I, I'm speaking to my wife and we're talking about these things and she's just looking at me. Because speaking of surprise, uh, that she's, she's just shocked. She's like, what are you talking about? I said, wait a minute, we can fly anywhere in the world. I'm just excited as excited can be. And she's like, well, I don't know about that. I'm like, oh, great. So, you know, you know, so now the doubts begin to uh, fly in my head. But nevertheless, we ended up in Europe, and even for that, uh, that was a reach for my wife, so I consider it a win. Ask her about that one. But I call those moments life interrupted. Life interrupted when things enter into your life that catch you by surprise. For my wife, the idea of traveling to some of the more exotic places that was very daunting for her. For me, it was like, you know, going to Indiana. I'm like, man, I'm going to Indiana. I'm like, I, I had like no filters. I was like a kid in the canyon. Give me some of this and this and that and the other. But yet all the calls that we receive in our life, they're not all pleasant. And neither are they filled with the endless possibilities of the imagination. What about the call or the conclusion you have come to when you find out that you may have to change jobs? What about the notice that you receive that uh, you may have to move? In 
two or three weeks? What about the stress that you encounter because of a relationship that has been strained due to mistrust or other issues? These are extremely difficult times in our lives because they often fill our life with times of uncertainty and doubts. Yet you knew somehow in the back of your mind and your heart, you know that change is imminent. You know that a decision is going to have to be made soon. But if you are anything like I am, you're just hoping that, well, maybe if enough time passes, that I don't have to make a decision that it will all work out. <laughs> Today we begin a series on the person of Abraham. A person who was surprised by God, which eventually led to him being uprooted and and a call for him to follow God to a place that he knows nothing of. As some of you know, Abraham had a life full of intrigue. He had a life full of wise and unwise decisions. He had a life full of doubts, yet in the end, one of the things that is characterized of Abraham, and that is a life of faith. Romans chapter 4, verses 20. 21. So this tells us that a life of faith, when we look at Abraham, that it will be filled with plenty of ups and downs. And rarely is the life of faith a walk in a straight line. I don't know about you, uh, but sometimes I've had to wonder. I've had to wonder whether or not if it really was a God thing. Because you know how it is when you're flying high, you feel good. Amen? When everything is going well and going like you expect it to go, uh, you are as happy as a lark. But then somehow, life has a tendency to take a nosedive. They call this in Hebrew poetry, times of orientation and disorientation. Orientation and disorientation. There are times in our life that we have it together. There's time in our lives when the train is on the track and it's riding smoothly down the way. But then there are times in which that train begins to rock and to roll. Sometimes we doubt whether or not if that train will be able to stop or if that train will get us to our destination in time. But we all want that straight line of faith. And many of us, we will fight the good fight of faith in order to make sure that that line remains straight. Amen? That we want to make sure that nothing else comes against that. That we want to make sure that all of our T's are crossed and all of our I's are dotted because we want everything to go well. However, as we begin this journey with Abraham, 
we will see Abraham in a life that is raw, in a life that is unfiltered. And this is why I love the Word of God. Because the Word of God, if you have not done well, it will not put you in a good light. Amen? The Word of God will not simply erase all the bad things that you have done and put all the good things there. But I think just like Abraham, as is true with us, even though that we may have had our past, that God is going to look at the end. That God is going to ask the question, were they faithful in the end? So let us begin our journey with Abram. Genesis chapter 11, verse 27. Little background here. Now these are the generations. Terah. Terah fathered Abram, Nahor, and Haran. And Haran fathered Lot. Haran died in the presence of his father, Terah, in the land of his kindred, in Ur of the Chaldees. And Abram and Nahor took wives. The name of Abram's wife was Sarai, and the name of, uh, the name of uh, Nahor's wife, Milcah, the daughter of Haran, the father of Milcah, and Iscah. Now Sarah was barren. She had no child. Behind every person, there is a background which can either propel them forward or hold them back. Behind every person, I'll say it again, and not just every great person, because you can look at Abraham and say, well, wait a minute, Abraham was a great person. But I say behind every person, uh, there is a background which can either propel us forward or hold us back. Understand, however, that what happens in the background of your life, that it may not be positive. I admit that. Yet all of those events, they somehow form the foundation on which we become a change agent in the world. Take Tara, for example. Who, who in the world is Tara? Now, you may have read previously like in verses 10 through 26. You have read through a list of unpronounceable names. Not only here, but in other places in, in Genesis. In other places in the Old Testament. For that matter, even in the New Testament. In which you were unimpressed with the reasoning behind such mundane writing. Even though it is God's Word, uh, why do I need to read through genealogies? And again, one example we saw in Genesis chapter 11, verses 10 through 26. But every now and then, Scripture gives us a reason to stop and pay attention to some detail for our own edification and encouragement. Terah is one of those details. So God wants us to pause and take a look 
Tara or Torah for a moment. So here in verses 27 through 30, we read that Terah, among other descendants of Shem, also fathered children, but Scripture goes on to list all the male offspring of Terah. You, you notice in verses 10 through 26, uh, typically uh, when you're hearing about genealogies, you may get only one person who was begetted. So-and-so begot so-and-so, and so-and-so begot so-and-so, and that's it. And you have no information about the other brothers and sisters in Scripture. But here, when we get to Terah, all of a sudden, a Scripture it takes a pause and says that Terah fathered Abram, Nahor, and Haran. So God wants us to take a look at this, a look at these details about the children that are provided by the Holy Spirit, like Haran, who was the father of Lot, and then Abram and Nahor, that both of them got married. But also notice that of Terah's children, that only two of his children had children, and they were Haran and Nahor. And Abram, as it says, verse 30, now Sarai, that she was what? Barren, and she had no child. Isn't it interesting that it repeated the phrase? When we see the phrase that she was barren, we automatically understood that she has no kids. But Scripture repeats the phrase and says not only was she barren, which should be enough for us, but it goes on to say what? That she had no child. She was barren. Sarai was infertile, as we would say today. But uh, understand this barrenness, that it is uh, very important biblically, and it has theological significance. But we're not going to tackle that today. That We're going to deal with that in a few weeks. So, Hang in there, amen? So as we read about Terah, uh, we understand that it was uh, Terah's original intent to lead the family all the way to Canaan. Did you realize that? That it was Terah's original intent to lead the family all the way to Canaan. Let's look at this, verse 31 of Genesis chapter 11. Terah took Abram, his son, and Lot, the son of Haran, his grandson, and Sarai, his daughter-in-law, his son Abram's wife, and they went forth together from Ur of the Chaldeans to go into the land of Canaan. There it is. That Terah was the one that was leading the family all the way to Canaan. But when, it says, they came to Haran, they settled there. So Terah, as uh, the, uh, the family patriarch, that he led the family all the way through, that we're going to the land of Canaan, we're going to Canaan. But when they made it to Haran, it says that they settled there. But correct me if I'm mistaken, 
uh, what, aren't we under the belief that it was God who called Abraham out of the land of Ur into the land of Canaan? That you, Abraham, you go to a land that you don't know anything about, and I'm going to make you a, a great name and a great nation. Wasn't that true? So if that's true, how can Terah be the one who leads them? Well, let's first look at Acts chapter 7, verse 2. Acts chapter 7, verse 2. As Stephen gives his, his message to those who oppose Jesus Christ. Acts chapter 7, verse 2. And Stephen says this, The God of glory appeared to our father Abraham when he was in Mesopotamia before he lived in Haran, and said to him, Go out from your land and from your kindred, and go into the land that I will show you. Then he went out from the land of the Chaldeans and lived in Haran. And after his father died, God removed him from there into the land in which you are now living. So Stephen, he clearly understood that Abraham heard from the Lord while the family was still in earth. And that's the reason they departed from the land in the first place. So which account is correct? Is it uh, Terah was the one that led them? Uh, was it Terah the one that heard from God? Or was it Abraham? Well, Scripture never tells us that uh, Terah heard from God. Scripture tells us that who heard from God? That it was Abraham who heard from God. So I believe because of the close-knitness of that family unit, that when, uh, when Abraham knew that he knew that he knew that God called him, he said, Daddy, look, I got to go. I got to get up out of here. And his, his father said, well, where are you going, son? What are your plans? Do you have a job? How are you going to get there? How are you going to make it, son? Abraham, Abraham probably said, Dad, I don't know. All I know is that God has called and I must go. So because of that, I believe that terror, I believe, we don't see this in Scripture now, I believe, again, my sanctified imagination uh, kicking in, I believe that Terah said, you have such a strong vision that let me lead the family where you need to go. So Terah saw the vision that Abraham uh, had and, and that he heard from God, and he says, we're taking the entire family, let's get up and go. So Terah led the entire family all the way to Canaan. But something happened along the way. That when they made it to Haran, that Terah says, let's just settle down here. And this is enough for me. You know, many people, they fail to understand the important role that their parents play in their life. Do you, you understand this? A lot of folks, they fail to understand that their parents play an important role in their lives. In fact, uh, for Abraham, you know, he had a choice. What would have happened if his uh, father would have said, no, we're not going anywhere and you're going to stay here. It's always a choice between what uh, do I do when those who say something opposite for what God has told me. Do I say they are most wise and I must attach myself to them? Or, or, or do I need to do what God has called me to, to do? So I believe that Terah was instrumental in getting the entire family to Haran. 
that I believe that Abraham, that he needed to have his father there for him. And this is not only true for Abraham, but for many of us, it's also true. When I oftentimes think of, of the story about how my parents uh, ended up in Chicago, and uh, both of them came from the same small town, only had three people in the entire town, but somehow they didn't know each other when they were down there. Amen? But yet, when they made it up here, for some reason, you know, as my father tells the story, he says that when I came back uh, from the military, when I came back from the war, I couldn't see myself down there again. So in essence, he was saying that I felt compelled to go north. And I believe that him going north and the reason that my mother ended up north, right? My father, I have to tell you this story. You know, we can erase this off the message a little bit later. Uh, so, uh, so I remember the story that, uh, you know, how they met and they were dating. And part of the story goes like this, that my father would drive my mother around on the west side and tell my mother about all the buildings that he owned over there. And I guess that impressed her so much. She said, this is a man that I could love. And if I was around, I would say, uh, I need to counsel you guys first. Amen. But anyway, uh, it's really amazing. Uh, consider your own parents. They may not have been wealthy. Maybe they have been. But they may not have been wealthy. But part of the reason that you made it where you are, maybe even your faith, your salvation, is because of the foundation that they have laid in your life. Now understand uh, that it also goes far beyond your parents, but also for other people that God has placed in your life. Other people that have been instrumental in your life to help you to be who you are today. And in our hearts, we should give God thanksgiving for them even now. But as we move on, we see that uh, Abraham was called by God to journey with him. Abraham was called by God to journey with him. In Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. You know, the hardest thing for us to do is to do those things which are impossible. The hardest things for us to do are to do those things which are impossible. You know, I, when I look at this, and I consistently reflect on the amount of faith that it took for Abraham and his family to get up and go to a place they don't even know where they're going. If God called you today and say, I want you to, I want you to pack up your house and I want you to go, and I'm going to let you know where you're going when you get there. So in other words, you are not going to know where you're going until you're, you're not going to know that you've arrived until God said, now you're here. Now, I'm not sure how many of you ladies will do this, 
If your husband comes home from work one day, say, honey, we got to get up, we got to pack up and go. Man, what would you do, Gabriel? What would you do if your man said, honey, we got to go, we got to go, we got to go right now. What would you do? He walks in there and says, let's pack up. And you ask him, well, that's really great, but uh, what is your plan? He says, my plan is just to follow God, right, Joseph? My plan is to follow God, and your plan is to follow me. And you say, well, wait a minute, hold up. Let's think about this for a moment. Do we have enough money in the bank? All the bills paid? We have a place to go? Uh, is our car in good condition? And, and he says, no, 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 no. You don't understand, honey, that this is God is calling. And then I can hear it now. Well, you better make sure that God calls you from the hospital because if you try to get me up out of here like this, I'm going to knock you out. You never do that. Amen. Never in a million years. So while, while they lived in Ur, Abraham's family, they all worshipped false gods. They were idolaters, including Abraham. Uh, they were worshiping the moon god, in fact. Joshua chapter 24, verse 2. Joshua chapter 24, verse 2. And Joshua said to all the people, Thus says the Lord, or thus says Yahweh, the God of Israel. See, uh, he mentions the Lord. He mentions him by his proper name, Yahweh. Well, who is Yahweh? He is the God of Israel. Goes on to say, long ago, your fathers lived beyond the Euphrates. Terah, the father of Abraham and of Nahor. And they did what? They served what? Other gods. They served other gods. So we must understand that regardless of who you have been worshiping, Regardless of what you may have done, the Lord can call you out of those circumstances. What we clearly see is the call from worshiping the moon God to worshiping the Lord or worshiping Yahweh. It's very interesting that in the past, that if you lived in places like in Africa, like in the 17th or the 18th century I'm talking about, and you lived in places like in Africa, that you were considered a sinner. A sinner of the worst kind because you worshipped a false god and most likely worshipped multiple gods. In other words, back in the 17th and the 18th century, and probably times of the 19th century as well, that if you lived in places like that, you were more of a sinner than those who were Vikings who worshipped multiple gods. But we know that that line of thinking is unbiblical. Because you are a sinner if you are a sinner. Regardless of who and how you worship, there is no higher class of sinners than others. Amen? Because Scripture says what? That all have sinned and did what? Fall short of the glory of God. This is why that we, brothers and sisters, must get into the Word so that we ourselves can uncover the truth. Disseminate the truth to those who are in ignorance. Amen? Amen. 
So whether you worship multiple gods, and they were all over the place, in Africa, India, Europe, or China, there is hope for you to be lifted out of a continuum of falsity by coming to Jesus Christ. What matters most to God is not whether or not who you have been worshiping. What matters to God is what or how you will respond to Him at this moment. Amen? Imagine for the entire family of Abraham, this would have been a difficult move because number one, not only uh, did they have to leave their land, but also number two, they had to begin worshiping a new God. And they had to do it in a place that they had no other previous affiliations. Imagine if you would. There were no churches on every other corner. There's no Christian radio. No Christian bookstores. No Christian music. None of those things in order to encourage them to move forward with what God has said. Imagine that. You being in the place that there's no other worshipers like you around there. Could you survive? Would you be faithful? So God makes an offer for Abraham to follow him and gives Abraham a few promises. First, this offer to Abraham was really more like a command. We see here, it says here again in Genesis chapter 12, verse 1, Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country. Remember what Jesus said as he was about to depart from the earth after leaving his disciples behind? Remember that? The Great Commission. What does it say in Matthew chapter 28, verse 19? He says what? Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. You see, in both cases, with Abraham and even in the case with Jesus speaking to his disciples, the idea is not to remain where you are. The idea is for us that when we hear the call of God, that we are to go. Now, for some, that may mean that you may have to pack up and get out of here. Amen? And if that's the case, my blessings to you. But for others, what it simply means is that, you know what, for all that you know, for all that you know of God and the truth that you have, that you need to begin to speak out. That you... Me, all of us, need to begin to speak the truth everywhere we go. Because right now, we are not walking in obedience towards God. So also know that when the Lord speaks, that it is not a suggestion, it is a command. Now I know that many of us act as if God's Word is there's nothing but suggestions. I know that when we hear God's Word sometimes, week after week, uh, that it goes in one ear and, and comes out the other. I know that. But I also know that there are many of you, most of you, who hear God's Word and you obey faithfully. Yes, you may struggle at times. Yes, you may have difficulty with wondering, why would God want me to do this? Why would God want me to get rid of this? I understand all of this. But yet, God has called all of us to faithfulness. So God's word to Abram, it was so important that it would be so impactful that it would impact the entire world, including us. Do you realize, had it not been for Abraham, that we may not be where we are today? Do you realize that you are blessed today? Do you realize that I am blessed today because of whom? Because of Abraham. Because 
the scripture says that in him all the families, all the nations of the earth, that they will be blessed. So for that, we can say thank you, God, for Abraham. God uh, told Abraham that not only would he make him a great nation and, and make his name great, in fact, you know, for, for some people, that's enough. If God says that, you know what, you're going to make my, my name great? You mean to tell me I don't have to put out like 500 YouTube videos? You're going to make me great? My name? You're going you're gonna to put me, you're going to promote me, God? That God is my promoter? That would be enough within itself. Uh, yesterday, I saw a lady videotaping herself for about 10 or 15 minutes as if she was the star of her own show. Uh, she had the, her phone turned around and she was talking into her phone, pointing into her phone and, and making loud noises and there was, while music was blaring on the, in, in the background. And I thought that maybe it would last for about 30 seconds, but it went on and on and on. I mean, she's talking all kind of views like this and, and this, that, and the other, and all this other thing. And it, see, it wouldn't have been so bad if she wouldn't have been at someone else's wedding. See, the funny thing is that that was really not her show. That was the show of someone else. And oftentimes, many of us treat God the same way. That at a time that God has called us to focus on Him, we grab our phones and we turn the camera towards us. Oh yeah, God is in the background, but for us, the show is really about us. So even though there is a promise of making Abraham's name great, we know from Scripture that Abraham always had a healthy view of what it meant to be great. All that the Lord promised him, he knew it was about God and not about himself. And all of us should always, always, always affirm the fact that it's not about me, but it's all about God. That it's not a, this is not my show, but this is God's show. But God also told Abraham, that in him, again, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Isn't that wonderful? Wouldn't it be wonderful just to live for that purpose? This is why I love what I do. I love what I do because I know that when I point people to Jesus Christ, I know that they are going to be connected with God. Man, it's not about me. I'm just happy to be in, I'm just happy to be in God's house. Amen. I'm like, Lord. You know, I'd rather be in your house cleaning dishes as much as I don't like dishes. I'd rather be in the house of the Lord washing dishes than to be outside of His presence any day and any time. Obedience to God's call is the next step for journeying with God. Obedience to God's call is the next step for journeying with God. Genesis chapter 12, beginning in verse 4. So Abram went as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. So brothers and sisters, I want to tell you this. If you're wondering about your kid and they're in your house, and they're getting older and older, and you're getting older, 
and you're wondering when they're going to leave, understand that Abraham was 75 years old before he left mommy and daddy. Amen? 75 years old before, <laughs> before he left his parents' house. Can you imagine that? 75 years with them? Verse 5. And Abram, uh, actually, I actually read that uh, verse, uh, verse 4, verse 5. And Abram took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their possessions that they had gathered. You see, Abraham, he had plenty of time to buy a lot of stuff because he wasn't paying rent, you see. So he was, he was amassing lots of stuff. He was like, yeah, Daddy, thanks, thanks. And the people that they had acquired in Haran, and they set out to the land of Canaan. When they came to the land of Canaan, Abram passed through the land to the place at Shechem, uh, to the Oak of Morah. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land, letting you know that they were, there were people there. But God says that, in essence, this is going to be your land, and you get there, people are already there. It's like, well, God, what are we going to do about these folks? Verse 7, Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So he built there an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. From there he moved to the hill country on the east of Bethel and pitched his tent, with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. And Abram journeyed on, still going toward the Negev. You can't journey with the Lord unless you're first obedient to him. People want to talk about journeying with God without ever having to take that journey. You talk all the talk. Why? Because uh, the, the journey with God uh, can be tedious. The walk with God can be hard. And oftentimes it can be very long. We are sometimes mistaken into believing that when we read scriptures uh, that God does everything instantly. Abraham, that you follow me and everything is going to be great. Your name is going to be great. And you're going to be the father of many nations and so on and so forth. It's like, man, great. And you get there after two weeks. Okay, God, when is it going to happen? Three weeks go past. Okay, God, I'm still waiting. You said my name going to be great. But, man, you know, uh, uh, Sarah, my honey bear, my honey boo, you know she's getting old, God, right? God, you know that. I left my daddy's house when I was 75 years old, right? And you're saying that we're going to have a lot of kids, uh, that a nation is going to come out of us and all this other stuff, Lord. Uh, so what's going to happen? A month passes. A year passes. Five years pass. What's the deal, God? You said that you were going to do this. See, this is the problem that we oftentimes have, and that is, is that we want everything to be quick with God. We think God is our microwave, that we put our request in, we hit the 30-second or the 60-second button, and then poof, it's ready. As a matter of fact, uh, some look at the, uh, the, uh, the, uh, the book of Acts is oftentimes used as a, uh, a, a case study on how to grow the church. 
You look at the, the book of Acts and it says the church grew by leaps and bounds and numbers were added to it daily and it multiplied. But what uh, many people don't realize that uh, the action and, and the narrative in the, the book of Acts that it took 20, 30 years to happen, 40 years to happen, that this did not all happen in an instant. This took time for it to develop. See, when you're walking with God, when you're journeying with God, sometimes uh, the walk is long. As an example, if you are a parent, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Because you know that uh, you're waiting on your kid to, to finally walk. And then you're waiting for the kid to finally get out of diapers, right? And you're waiting for the kids to finally talk. And then you're trying to teach them how to write and the story goes how to put their clothes on or how to put their coats on. And the story goes on and on and on. It seems like this kid will never grow up. But then you come to that person who hasn't seen your kid in a while. And what do they say? They're like, man, they've really grown up really quickly. But you yourself, you say, man, I wish they would grow up and get out of here like right now. So many people, they want the titles and they want the accolades of the call without the baggage of the call. Again, looking at our passage, we see that Abraham's journey to faithfulness was not in a straight line. It has already begun with stops and starts through the journey uh, just as if it was in the beginning. That Abraham, he has already gone through Shechem, the hill country, and Negev, and this was just the beginning of his steps. He made it to the land of Canaan, but it was still in the beginning process. And then in Genesis chapter 12, verse 7, we see that Abram stops and builds an altar to the Lord after his call. So what is the Lord saying to us today? Four things, very quickly. You may have already picked them up by what I've said. Number one, don't reject the life and testimony of those who have come before you. Do not reject the life and testimony of those who have come before you. Whether they were moon worshipers, moon god worshipers, or whether they love Jesus Christ, don't reject their life and testimony. Number two, when God calls, listen very closely, but make sure it's Him that's called. When God calls, listen very closely, but make sure it's Him. 1 John chapter 4, verse 1 bears it out. Number three, quickly move into obedience. Delayed obedience is no obedience. Delayed obedience is no obedience at all. And then finally, number three, take time to build an altar to God after He has called you. Abraham had done as he stopped to recognize who God was. Let us not forget all the great things that not just God has called us to, but what he's going to do and what he's already done. So we need to always remember to stop and worship God. Let's pray.